Well, I am excited about tonight's message, and I have a question as we get started. Has anybody in here ever felt overwhelmed? Overwhelmed? Um, so as I was writing this, it was one of those things, I started to go one direction with the message, and it was kind of one of those things where God's just like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I want you to talk about this. And he wants me, I, I feel, to talk about being overwhelmed because for the last several months, that's been me. I've been angry. Um, I've struggled in my position here. I've struggled just in life because things are getting hard. And what I mean by that is um, if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that inflation's very real. Not making a political statement, but I got six kids to feed. That's impacted me. And I feel that squeezing in on me all around. I, I get angry now when my wife goes to the grocery store. I'm like, do we have to feed him this week? Can we just like take, just take a week off so that we can get ahead? I mean, it's just one of those things that that's a very real situation. And then I was right. And I was like, I imagine, I imagine that, that we're all feeling that, right? And, and it makes us angry. It makes us bitter when we lean into it because no matter what we do right now, life's a struggle. If you're putting gas in your car, thank goodness it's came down like 90 cents, but it still hurts. Man, you, you talk about a gut punch still every time I go. And I drive a little bus, man. I got I to gotta haul this slew of children around and it's over $100 every week and it hurts. And to be quite frank with you, it ticks me off. It makes me feel overwhelmed. I struggle. And then on top of it all, what, it's been 100 degrees for like a month straight. At our we make all the kids leave in groups. It's like, if you're gonna step outside, you need to get all five of your buddies and you need to go out the door at once. I mean, I've never wanted to get physical with my children more than I have the last month as it reaches 80 degrees in my house. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm about to lose it. I'm about to lose it. And so as I began to write one message, God said, what about your struggle here? What about these things that are going on in your life here? What, what about your failures that you've had the last several months where you've lost it on your wife, where you've lost it on your kids, where you've lost your ability to trust me? That's what God began to speak to me. And so I wanted to share that with you guys tonight. And so tonight's message is titled this, In the Pressing. Because right now, life is hard. Right now, we're all struggling in some form or fashion, it's impossible to escape it. None of this year has looked the way that I think any of us thought it would. And, and as the, the reins are tightened, it's really easy to lose sight and to lose focus of what God has called us to do, who he's called us to be. And in the pressing, it's real easy to lose your grasp on your recovery. It's real easy to slide backwards, back into struggles, whether it's substances, language, distrust, whatever you're dealing with, in moments like this, moments of hardship, moments of stress, it's real easy to just say, forget it, I'm done. And so I wanted to talk tonight about being overwhelmed. And so when you're overwhelmed, there's many warning signs. For me, the most obvious is when I cuss at my family. It's like, I'm, I'm probably not doing too good. I'm probably not doing, and I lose it sometimes. I'm not proud of that. But, but it's an insight where I should recognize that moment and say, I'm failing here. What should I do? Your warning sign could be any number of things. Maybe you struggle in your recovery with addiction. Maybe you begin to lust after other men, other women. Maybe you go to the casino, but there's signs 
in the pressing that should reveal to us, I've allowed myself to be pushed too far. I've allowed myself to be pushed too far. How do I get back on track? And so we're gonna talk about, again, being overwhelmed. And being overwhelmed, it causes us to lose sight of everything that we've gained. I've come so far in my recovery, much too far to allow something like this to take it away from me. You've come too far in the things that you've pushed for and fought for to let food prices, gas prices, and 105 degree temperature to take it away from you. But that's exactly what begins to happen. And we struggle in these moments. We get discouraged. We get angry. We get bitter. We get spiteful. We get jealous. But there's something we can do to push back, to fight against it, and to have success even in the middle of hardships. And so tonight, what should we do when we're overwhelmed? Point number one is this. We must allow ourselves to rest. Say rest and recharge. Say recharge. It's a simple thing. And it's funny, we get it with our phones, right? Um, I love my mini computer. I, I live on it way too much. And I don't ever go to bed without plugging this thing in, right? I mean, we know that it's got to rest and recharge. Occasionally, you gotta reset it. Just turn the whole thing off and just give it a break. We fail to realize that in our own lives. And in fact, we go so far as to wear busyness as a badge of honor. Like it's a good thing that we can't take care and manage our lives. And it's like, ah, you think your schedule's crazy. Let me tell you about mine. It's insanity. It's insanity. And it's one of those things that continues to drive us to the brink. And we have to understand that we have to rest and recharge. Just stop. Take a day off. And this is a workaholic speaking to you. Ask my wife. I rarely want to take any type of time for myself or for my family, but we have to. We have to step back. We have to understand that, that one day isn't gonna make everything fall apart. And if you can't take one day to rest and recharge, your life is out of order. It's mismanaged. You've missed the mark. You've, there's something out of place there because we should be able to take a break. We should be able to take that time to lean into God, to lean into our family, to experience the blessings that he's given us. And so we have to be able to rest and recharge. I wanna share with you tonight from Mark. This is right before Jesus feeds the 5,000. And so I'm sure many of you know the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. He had all these people show up out in the middle of nowhere, no way to feed them, no way to feed them. And he goes to his disciples and they have some loaves and some fish. Um, they, they rob a little boy of his lunch, wild story. <laughs> But, but they feed all these people, and it's incredible. But before that, before that, right after Jesus had sent the 12 disciples out to minister, he sent them on, on a circuit, a preaching circuit to share the good news. So this has taken place. The 12 disciples are out. As they're coming back, Jesus gets word that John the Baptist has been executed by Herod. John was Jesus's cousin. John was John the Baptist that made a way for Jesus in the wilderness. Crazy John wore camel hair, ate locusts. So Jesus has sent his 12 disciples away. They've been working. They're coming back. Jesus has heard 
that his cousin has been executed. And picking up in Mark, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 31. And I do want to take a second. I want to plug our Bible app. If you're in here, you don't have a Bible, get the version Bible app. You can download all of our message notes. Everything I use is on that, on the events tab. But Mark chapter 6, verse 30, it says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all that they had done and taught. So here the disciples are coming back. And so they're coming to Jesus. They're sharing what they've done. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. All these things are taking place. Now, what's profound to me is this. Jesus, he knew when his life would end. He knew the time, the place, the how, and the why. And Jesus He has three years to build his ecclesia, to build his church, to build his ministry. He has all sorts of things to do. They have to change the world in this short amount of time. He's just sent the disciples back. And if if it were me, it would be nose to the grindstone. 70, 80 hours a week, I've got things to do. It's good stuff going on. I'd be wearing that busyness like a badge of honor. I'd be saying, I'm doing the work of God. Like, I've just got to hit it. I've got to do it. I'd be telling my disciples, don't you know, we're going to be feeding 5,000 real soon. It's coming. But Jesus, he said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. The son of God, Jesus, God in a body, took time to just hang out with the 12 and to rest a while. You know, it's funny in our New Testament, there, there's lots of verses and lots of things are said about Jesus And there's not one place in there that says Jesus ran. Jesus took his time. He did. He was methodical. He wasn't in a hurry because he trusted the plan of God. And he he took time to just go rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. They were busy. And Jesus knew this. You've worked hard. There's more work coming. Let's just take a second to rest and recharge. Let's take a second to fellowship, to spend time together, to just be in the moment together. And we miss this so often. And we have to learn to lean into the fact that it's okay. Let God be God. It's not gonna all fall apart, but you've gotta take care of you. You've gotta take care of you. If you run yourself ragged, you will fail. If you burn yourself out, you will fail. You've gotta take time, especially when we're overwhelmed, especially when it feels like it's all gonna fall apart to just rest and recharge. Again, burnout is real. Burnout is real. Isaiah, I wanna share with you out of Isaiah. Isaiah is in your Old Testament. Mark was in your New Testament. Isaiah is in your Old Testament. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. I wanna share with you from there. And it says this, have you ever heard, or have you never heard, have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. He never grows weak or weary. Sometimes, and I think it's our arrogance, we forget that, that we're not God, like that we're not, we're not Lord of our lives, that, that we're not creator of all. I know that sometimes I struggle with this mentality that, that I can do anything that I can do everything. I get that Superman mentality. And maybe it's because I'm a redneck man in Oklahoma and I just don't know my limits or my bounds. But, but sometimes I forget this, 
So the Lord is everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That we have to, we have to understand who we are. We're limited. God is not limited. We need to take time to rest, to relax, to recharge, and to lean into God. Allow God to be God in these situations. Allow him to have control. Understand that he'll see it through. If he's positioned you, if it's from God, if you're following his plan and his purpose and his will, it's not gonna fall apart. And so we have to lean into him. And again, understand this, that those who trust in the Lord will find new strength They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Take time, rest and recharge and lean into God. And how do we charge? By plugging into the Lord, by plugging into God, by showing up to things like this. Take moments to come to recovery. Take moments to come to church. Get plugged into groups. Read your Bible, listen to worship music. Spend time in his presence. If you've got a crazy house, Go to the bathroom, shut the door. The kids will be fine. Take a moment for yourself to rest and recharge. Don't let the busyness of life, don't let the chaos outside of these walls, don't let the pressure of soaring prices, 105 degree temperatures to rip away the things that you've been fighting for. Take time to rest and recharge. Number two, when feeling overwhelmed, It's important to remember, even Jesus took time to refocus. So we we talked about how Jesus would rest and relax, that he went away with his disciples, but even Jesus would take time to refocus. And so I I wanna show you what that looks like. And so we started in Mark where Jesus was about to feed the 5,000. The 12 disciples had been gone. They'd been ministering to, Jesus got this news and he went and they rested. And then they went and they fed the 5,000. So picking up after that in Matthew 14, 23, it says, after sending them home, who? The 5,000 plus the men, women, and children, or the women and children. He went up into the hills by himself to pray. Say pray. pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So we have this picture that Jesus had done something profound. He'd done a miracle. It was good work. It was God's work. He'd impacted all of these lives. And then he retreated to refocus on God. More examples. Next, Jesus, he'd been at the synagogue earlier that day, cast out an evil spirit. Then he went with James and John from the synagogue and he went to Simon Peter's house. Simon Peter, he was there. His mother-in-law was sick. Jesus heals his mother-in-law. And then picking up after that, in Mark 1, 32 through 34, it said that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons, but because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. So here Jesus, he's been doing great work, cast out some demons, healed Peter's mom, cast out some more demons, 
What does Jesus do next? It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Here's Jesus, God in a body, son of God, the only one among us that that was born righteous and remained that way. In, In doing all of these great things, he's got great work ahead of him. He took time to refocus on God. He took time to retreat back away from people and to lean in to God. One last example. Um, In Luke, we see a very revealing statement about Jesus. And this takes place early on in Jesus's ministry. He had just healed a man of leprosy. And so we get multiple accounts of this. Luke 5, 15, it says, but despite Jesus's instruction, he'd healed this man with leprosy. But despite his instruction, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came around him to hear him preach and to be healed of their disease. And so here we have this picture. Jesus's notoriety is already grown. People need him. He's got great work to do. Got people that are depending on him that need something. Jesus has options, right? I mean, he's God. He could work himself to burn out. He could do all of these things over and over and over. There's no shortage of people for Jesus to impact. But in verse 16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. People are are coming at him. People are needing him. There's good work to be done. But rather than let the busyness of life Rather than allow himself to be overwhelmed or distracted, Jesus takes a step back to refocus on God, to reorient himself around God's plan, God's purpose, God's mission, to make sure that that even in the moment where everything's getting busy and chaotic, that he's following the plan and the purpose of his father. And so something takes place. Something takes place when we intentionally intentionally take time to refocus on God. It allows us to continue to follow his plan and his purpose. The Bible doesn't tell us what all of Jesus's prayers were. We have all these examples, more than this, of times where Jesus went and prayed, where Jesus went and prayed, where he refocused. But I imagine that if we could hear every one of those prayers, every single one of them would have something about not your will, not my will, but your will. That, that in this moment, God, I mean, I've got good work to do here. Not my will, your will. Is this what should I should be doing? That, that even in the minute, moment of, of caring for our kids, I, I could work myself to the bone and, and I could justify it. And I could say, this is all for them. Things are getting crazy out of control, but I could work 80 hours. I could get a second job, but, but is that my will or is that his? Have, have I refocused and reoriented myself around the things of God. Because if we don't, we'll lose control. If we don't, we'll lose that grasp that we think we have on life. And in the pressing, rather than something beautiful emerging on the other side, all we come out is beaten and battered. And so we have to know and we have to understand that when we're overwhelmed, we've got to rest and recharge. And even Jesus took time to refocus on God, to reorient himself around the plan and the purpose of his father, of the creator. And Romans, Romans, I want to share with you out of Romans. Romans was written by Paul. And, and I think 
It gives us a picture of what takes place in our lives when we follow this example of Jesus. And and I love it. I'm sure that you've heard it. Romans, starting in, in chapter 12, verse one. And it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the, fi- the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So when we allow ourselves to be a living and holy sacrifice, there's something that takes place where we, we give up our will. And, and that's what Jesus was doing, right? I mean, he pursues God's will. He reorients, and reorients himself around the Father. And so we have to be a, a living sacrifice and lean into God. He continues... In verse two, it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Say new person. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, I wanna expand on this. And so I'm gonna use a different translation. It's called the Amplified. So the Amplified, will just draw that out just a little bit more. And so again, Romans 12.2 in the Amplified says, and do not, be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by renewing your mind. How are you gonna do that? Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and his purpose for you, that we refocus ourselves on God. We reorient ourselves around his plan and his purpose. We lean into him with prayer, which is the example of Jesus. And when we do that, there's a renewing of our mind, a changing of who we are. Now, the alternative to this is anger. I can't tell you how many times I've been angry over the last three months where I feel like I've done everything I can possibly do in my power to have what feels like stability and to feel like I'm getting ahead. But instead of trusting God, leaning into him and praying to him and just allowing him to do a work in me, I allow myself to get jealous. I look at people who took more vacations than me and got to spend more time with their family and the people who drive $100,000 trucks and $200,000 boats. And I'm like, what cartel are you working for? Um, And I look at all these things and I think, what about me? Like, what, what did I do wrong? Why, why, why not me? Why, why can't I do that? And, and it's because I'm allowing the world's values. I'm allowing the world to input in my life. And, and, and I'm thinking, that's, that's not fair. The only thing that, that would be fair and just for us though in reality is, is punishment, but we're saved by God's grace. But we don't view it through that lens in these moments. In the pressing, it's real easy to view it through the world standards and think, I want my fair share. I, I, I deserve that. I've worked hard. And that's not at all what God's promised us. He's promised us that, that if we focus on him, we rest and recharge, we'll experience his plan and his purpose. That looks different for all of us. There's not anything that anybody else has that I'm entitled to. There's not any position, any amount of stability that anyone else has that I'm entitled to. But when I rest, I recharge, I refocus, God renews my mind and my heart. 
Man, I got so off track this year. I allowed myself to be so burdened over the last few months that I ran at risk of falling out of God's plan for me, that, that I ran at risk of throwing it all away out of, out of selfishness, out of arrogance. And so we have to know, we have to recognize when we're allowing ourselves to be overwhelmed. And in those moments, refocus and recenter our lives around Jesus through prayer, through showing up to things like this, through being open and honest and saying, God, I need you. Refresh me, renew me, help me. Not by my strength, God, but by yours. Again, the amplified, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and his purpose for you. It's so easy to become angry, so easy to become jealous. And again, that's exactly what the world wants you to do because that's exactly what the enemy will use to rip away the progress you've made as you've leaned into Jesus. In the pressing, do not lose sight of what God's given you and what he's called you to. But when we focus on Jesus, it reorients us around God's will. Lastly, when we feel overwhelmed, it's important that point number three, we trust God and release and relax. Release and relax. Give it to God. Trust God to be God. Surrender to his will, to his purpose. The best way, the best way to relax, again, is to lessen our grip on our own lives. To, to, just, to just let it go. I have to remember I'm not God. I, I so want to be Lord of my own life. That, that's the battle I struggle on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but, but me, I like control. And I want to control every aspect of my life. That's not what I'm called to. That, that's God's position. And anytime I step out of my place, which is to humble myself to him, I'm trying to step into God's shoes. I can't feel those. I can't feel those in my life. I can't feel them in yours. I can't control everything. And so we have to learn to take a step back and to release and relax. Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called, um, and are called according to his purpose for them. There in Romans, we get this picture of things are going to happen, but when we trust God, God will use anything that takes place for his good. God's not going to bring calamity. You may go through calamity. God's not going to bring a hard time. You're going to go through hard times. But we have to, to remember, even in those moments, to, to release our grip and to relax. And it's so hard when it feels like things are falling apart. It's so hard when we're overwhelmed and overworked and we're in the middle of it to just re remember God's got this. Even if it's not perfect right now, God can make something perfect out of it later. He can do something great. And so we have to remember, God causes everything to work together for his good. We do our part. Well, what's our part? We just try to follow God's plan. 
Remember, reorient yourself around him. Spend time in prayer. Don't lose focus of what he's calling you to do. Even when things are going great, hey, God, what do you want me to do? I want your will, not mine. Things are going bad, double down on that. God, I want your will, not mine. 80 degrees in my house, want to get my kids. God, your will, not mine, not mine. And so we have to just trust God in those moments, allow God to be God. So I want to share with you as we're closing, uh, I want to share with you a story of, of the Israelites. And so, and it's kind of a picture of what takes place when we try to be God and then it's a picture of what takes place when we allow God to be God. And so the Israelites are God's chosen people. Um, if you've been in church, you know that they were enslaved in Egypt. God delivered them from Egypt using Moses. And they enter the wilderness for 40 years. Something that's overlooked sometimes or become white noise. It was never God's plan for them to be in the wilderness for 40 years. They were supposed to go straight to the promised land. So what happened? What happened between Egypt and the promised land? They didn't release and relax. They, they tried to hold on to control. Even though God had showed up in mighty, incredible, miraculous ways, they tried to run their lives their way. And because of that, they were disobedient, they were sinful, and it, it led to them not being allowed to enter the promised land for 40 years. And in fact, there was one point where Moses sent spies into the promised land and God had already said, this is yours. I've given it to you. And they go, they take a look at it and they're like, no, God's crazy. We can't do this. And so they wouldn't let go of control. They wouldn't trust God to be God. And they wanted to follow their plan, their purpose. So what happened? God said, you guys aren't going. So they spent 40 needless, unnecessary years wandering in the wilderness without a home because they would not relinquish control of their lives and allow God to be an authority. After 40 years, Moses passes away. That generation had passed away. And Joshua, one of the 12 spies that had entered the promised land and said, God's got this. He was faithful from the beginning, takes control. He takes control. And so Joshua, he's got a completely different mindset. He trusted God 40 years ago. He trusts God today. So here, Joshua is taking command of the Israelites. And in Joshua chapter one, verse one through two, it says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving you. Same exact thing that Moses was called to do 40 years early. So continuing, so I promise you what I promised Moses. This is unfolding the same way. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I've given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south of Lebanon, mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. So God's talking to Joshua saying, listen, I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told your predecessor. Go to the land, it's yours, I've given it to you. Just, just follow my plan, my purpose. Like, I, I'm, let me be God and you just obey. You, let me be God. You humble yourselves. You pursue me. You relinquish control. Just relax. I've got this. 
In verse five, it says, no one, this is still God speaking, no one will be able to stand against you for as long as I live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. God's saying, listen, I've got this. I'm gonna be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. This was God's promise to Moses. This was God's promise to Joshua. This is God's promise to us. That there's things that take place in our lives that look impossible. But if God's led you there, God's equipped you for it, God will see you through. Things right now might be hard, but if you're following God's plan, maybe you're coming out of the wilderness and you're heading to the promised land and you need to recognize the fact that even though that looks worse than where you're coming from, or maybe it looks equally as difficult, remember that God will be with you. He will not fail you. He will not abandon you. That was his promise then. That's his promise now. But in order to receive it, in order to understand it, we have to to release control, relax, and let God be God. Continuing, it says, he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. In verse seven and eight, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. That we have to lean into God and follow his plan and his purpose. It says, do not deviate to the left or to the right. Well, how do we know if we're deviating? We've got to refocus reorient ourselves around God. We've got to lean into him and pursue him in all that we do. And when we're pursuing God's will, it might be hard, but you can find success. That, that you may struggle, but God will see you through. That we can be strong, we can be courageous because he'll never leave us. He'll never fail us. He'll never abandon us. In verse nine, he says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We have to understand that God will make a way when we pursue him, when we set down our will and we pursue his. And in order to do that, we have to let go. We have to let go and it's hard. It's hard to let God be God. It's hard to let him lead but especially when we feel overwhelmed, especially when everything's difficult, when everything's hard, especially in the pressing, we have to step back and let God be God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then, say then. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Then you'll experience peace. It's not when you get it all under control. God's word doesn't say when you figure it out, when you've got the perfect plan, then you'll experience peace. It says when you give it all to God, when you let go, when you release and relax and lean into him, then you'll experience peace that's beyond our understanding. His peace will guard your hearts 
I ran the risk of my heart becoming so hard, so hard because I wasn't doing this, because I wouldn't let go, because I wouldn't relax, because I thought I had to have it all figured out and to do everything on my own. But when we do, his peace will guard our hearts. My mind, I was angry. I was angry, getting close to getting bitter. That's not who I am anymore. That's behind me. But I was so eager to pick it back up because everything felt like it was coming in on me. And I thought the weight of it was all on my shoulders. But we have to allow God to be God. And then his peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. To recap tonight, we must allow ourselves to rest and recharge. Burnout is real. Burnout is real. We have limits. We have limits. We weren't meant to carry everything on our own. We're not meant to be all powerful. That, that's not our role. We're meant to follow God. And so we must allow ourselves to rest and recharge. Number two, even Jesus took time to refocus. Last time I checked, none of you are God. I'm not. And so if Jesus gave us this example, and, and this was what he practiced day in and day out. What makes us so arrogant to think that we can do something different? Even Jesus took time to refocus. And number three, trust God and release and relax. Release your grip, relax, it'll be okay. It'll be okay when we pursue the things of God, when we pursue his plan, his purpose, his will, it'll work out. It'll work out. Trust God and release and relax. Couple action steps. Identify areas of overwhelming stress. If there's something going on in your life, identify it. Look for warning signs. Getting angry, cussing at people, stepping back into old habits. Those are things that, that should bring to your attention you're failing. Why are you failing? You're stressed. Number two, allow God to move in those areas by taking time to rest, recharge, and refocus on Jesus and surrender control to God. And so all of this, you know, as we talk, that first place to surrender is the most important. And that first place to surrender is where we come to salvation. And so... I want, I want to encourage you, if you're in here tonight and you've never made that decision, if you've never released, if you've never just allowed God to be Lord of your life, I want to encourage you tonight to realize a couple things. First and foremost, God is very real. Jesus, he was sent to live and to die as a sacrifice so that you could be saved and forgiven. You were never meant to carry all the burdens on your own. God's word tells us that when we come to him and take his yoke upon us, that, that it's easy, it's light, easy to bear. And so tonight, if, if you've never surrendered to him and made him Lord of your life, I don't encourage you to do so. And here after service, we're gonna have our chip prayers and huggers up front, and they would love to pray with you and for you so you can make that decision this evening. Number two, maybe you've done that. Maybe you've gotten off track. Maybe the last few years have pushed you to the brink and you're in here tonight and you're thinking, can I come back? Can I come home? Is it too late? Am I too far gone? Absolutely not. If you're in here and you need to recommit 
If you need to come back to Jesus, I wanna encourage you to do so this evening. And again, we're gonna have some people up front. They would love to pray with you and for you so that you can come back tonight. And then maybe there's something that God's just been dinging you about, that throughout tonight's message, God kept saying that right there, let go of that, that, that area of your life. Let me handle that. Maybe there's something in your life and you, you've realized it's time for me to surrender control of that. We're gonna have our white chips up here. And what that is, it's, there's nothing special about it. It's just a reminder. It's between you and God. It's not for us. That's for you. Carry it with you. Keep it in your car. But just write down, write down what it is. Write down today's date. Just write down something to remind you that when you see that, you remember, I gave that to Jesus. I've, I've released control of that. I can relax because God's got that. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. It's been a rough year. It's been a rough couple months. And maybe you just need somebody to pull you in close and just to pray with you. Just to tell you, man, God's got this. And just to journey with you for just a moment. This is a house of prayer. And we love you. We're for you. We would love to pray with you. And so for any of those things tonight, to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to allow us to pray with you, as we, as we close in worship, I encourage you to come down to the front. If you guys could do that, if you could stand to your feet as we close this evening.